Yeah, man. Yeah, man. It's the podcast with Rodrigo Torres Jr. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. It's the podcast with Rodrigo Torres, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. What up, ladies and gentlemen? I'm back. Yes, he is the Great British Bake Off. Oh, where are the cherries? There's no more cherries. You didn't get enough cherries. You did. Oh, but you forgot to put them on the frosting. You didn't know how to budget your cherries. <laughs> You guys watch that show? Yeah, man. I love the British. I love the way they mellifluously work their vocabulary. Such a smooth English queen-like fashion. (laughs) Yeah, man. My affinity for the British keeps growing, folks. I was about to say Grittish. The Grittish British. Yes. Man. Shout out. Shout out. It's shout out time, man. (laughs) This early? It's this early? Shout out time. It's this early? Sounds like one of those people that was complaining, huh? I can't believe it's mass fraud. He was my leader on January 20th. No more, mate, according to the BBC. Now, uh, yeah, I wanted to shout out to uh, Texas Pete. That's right, man. He uh, was a gentleman that uh, paid it forward. He uh, bought two shirts, one for a uh, future uh, Yeah Man podcast t-shirt uh, wear. <laughs> And uh, yeah, man, thank you very much for that. And I actually got to meet uh, Pete. We were on the we were on the road. We were out there in um, Arlington, uh, Texas, over there at the um, Arlington uh, Improv, out there in Texas. Yeah, yes, mate, you just said that. Yes, I almost forgot. And uh, we did the the week of uh, weekend of shows there. Well, week of shows. It was like six shows, socially distanced. It was the first time I did a show where. Uh, there was plexiglass uh, placed on every row. I think it was four rows. I mean, you know, the the Rona doesn't jump over a uh, plexiglass. <laughs> I'm over here uh, making fun of that, huh? People are dying. Yes, mate. They all. Um, it's a trip too, man. Like it's it's a trip because every before I travel and before I creep out and we hop on the road, I always, uh, there's always like uh, two days before that I get like mad anxiety. Like I get paranoid almost. It's like, dude, I'm going to go out there. (laughs) You're like, uh, you're like Denzel Washington in the book of Eli. I'm going to go out there, dude. It's going to, I'm going to take all my precautions. I'm going to be safe. I'm going to socially distance. And then one of your homeboys uh, passes a joint to uh, a passerby. Oh my God, dude! Really, 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 and that's when you don't hit it anymore. 
Oh my god, dude. And I always get uh, super paranoid and like anxiety driven like two days after. And you know, your your heart sits there palpitating a couple days even after that. Am I <laughs> Am I safe? Am I keeping yeah, man. my family safe? What am I doing? Let me put some more hand sanitizer on. And at least see let's see what Governor Gruesome's talking about. But nevertheless, I don't want to, uh, I should have just said nevertheless, right? Uh, nevertheless, uh, I wanted to bring uh, to your attention, uh, yeah, met Texas Pete, man. It was hilarious because I got a message from him. He's like, yeah, man. Because <laughs> his wife was uh, talking. Uh, and she was uh, She was explaining to me that uh, Texas Pete is pretty shy and he didn't want to, you know, come up and break the ice. So she did it for him. I finally came out at the end. And uh, yeah, man, we had a good conversation. It was hilarious, dude. <laughs> yeah, and I'll read part of it right there. Uh, I was waiting for my wife to stop talking so I could say that you are hilarious. <laughs> and after looking at the pic we took, I was like, he could be my dad. <laughs> You're killing me, dog. <laughs> and he wanted to see Martin. Um, Martin, it's funny, huh? How some names uh, don't transfer over uh, in uh, English. But um, Martin Rizzo, I've never called him Martin. I call Martin Moreno Martin. But I never called Martin Rizzo Martin. But he was uh, he was out there uh, wanting to meet uh, Martin Rizzo as well. But I guess he was looking for uh, his next victims. <laughs> LOL. But it was cool uh, chopping it up with Pete. And then he, um, he sent me a mes message. Uh, yeah, dog. <laughs> P.S. Want a battle fool? I used to be a tagger too. <laughs> Dude, I, I love I love the world of uh, graffiti, man. Oh, and just before we go on that, uh, I was going to say a uh, shout-out to uh, Gus Mendo. Uh, he's out there in uh, the South Bay. He was uh, he inquired about the shirt. Uh, he didn't win. I think Faustino Martinez won. He's in Texas as well, man. Shout-out to the big old boot down there, man. I love Texas, man. I eat, breathe, and live brisket, man. Nothing but smoky barbecue, man. Hell yeah. Um, so yeah, shout out to, um, Mr. Mendo and, um, yeah, man, I have always loved the world of the graffiti. I really got into it when I was in like, uh, it really started, the affinity always started when my folks used to, um, the affinity wrestler. Um, it was a very polarizing time for me. Um, we used to drive, uh, to Los Angeles from Riverside. We would go to El Mercadito. We would go, um, um, even, uh, farther than even. East Los Angeles, but even we'll go out to Dodger Stadium. Um, but what I liked, as soon as you start like passing the 605, you started seeing graffiti, dude. And one of the coolest things ever was like, you know, the legends of uh, of SoCal graffiti, like uh, LOD. They're on Instagram, by the way. You can follow them. I believe Chuckett was part of that crew. There was a guy named uh, Oil in uh, for uh, for up until I would say up until like the mid 2000s. There was a building, once you come into the 101 off the 10 freeway, you can see it off the 62 right after you come underneath the tunnel. And uh, you look left, there was a building that had these, um, I believe there was some type of filtration system. They look like um, like bells, I believe. Or like, I don't know if you've ever seen like a, a carburetor on a, on a lawnmower. It'll be upside down. And you would see that in uh, this guy named Oil was on there and he was on there for days since those times and it was trippy because i was like damn dude that is so preserved dude and uh and uh so i used to and also his flare skills were like 
flawless, dude. I mean, just a very, very good writer, bomber. Um, I've never seen any pieces, but um, extraordinary dude in the, the game of graffiti in uh, that, uh, that world. And there was also a, a Plaza Olvera, if you would park, but it was a brick wall kind of by where that uh, Guadalupe Shrine is. Um, La Virgen de Guadalupe. Um, there was a preserved chaka. I don't know, it's since been painted over. And that's before he started writing again, dude. So that was like left from the times where he was like, you know, bombing all the way from uh, LA to Frisco. So yeah, dude, I've always loved that stuff. Um, I uh, There was a guy that I used to hang out with. Uh, I think he's still around. And he had some homies from Alhambra. Oh. Motherfuckers be bugging and shit. Sorry about that. Um, I should have put my phone to off. But yeah, he was uh, from Alhambra. And he was from a crew out there. And he had this notebook. And Homeboy would have it. Man, I, I wanted to steal it, dude. So bad. Should have took a photo copy of it. You know, or just Xeroxed it, but it was some of some of the most beautifulest uh, pieces there, and I was just like blown away in the mixture of colors and how they would bleed them in with the markers and uh, use Prismacolor um, Prismacolor just color pencils. It was a uh, it, w- it was awesome. Yeah, man. Yellows, oranges, blues, white, and just uh, just the style. And it was a trip because uh, when the pandemic started, um, the uh, uh, I gave him a shout out. A shout out. We spoke about him. We mentioned him. Mentioned him. Mentioned. <laughs> mentioned him. <laughs> yeah, rhymes with mench on the shelf. Um, what's up with that little guy, huh? Little elf on the shelf has uh, not been making too much of a debut yet on December first. Um, so. Yeah, man, uh, the gentleman's name is, uh, is uh, Germ, uh, Germism. He's the guy that, uh, that designed and came up with the original Yeah Man uh, um, podcast logo. And um, I was talking to him. Uh, it was before the pandemic, during the pandemic, and even now. I spoke to him this weekend. But we were just talking about his uh i mean he's been on the podcast before so you can check that out but we were talking about you know just um graffiti in general and like uh um actual uh graffiti artists dudes like legends like that dude scene s-e-e-n from uh new york city it's pretty much the godfather of uh, graffiti and he was talking about a story how he met up with him by chance because he ordered a book and they basically uh uh became uh friends acquainted and uh, he got some artwork by him long story short but i was talking to him just like uh we were talking about just looking at the trains now and there's a train station by where he lives and there's a over here on van buren boulevard there's a train that usually drops off a lot of cars but also a bunch of other containers and uh, there's a grip of uh, graffiti from all over the country on there you know the most of it's really really good even los angeles right now for the last like five i don't even say for the last decade i didn't say go farther than the last decade like 15 years ago there was a guy named ruger that was just ripping up la and like just you know beautiful um style that he was coming together it was like almost gothic and old english but outlined perfectly just like sweet mixture of colors 
And, um, yeah, man. So he was talking about he would go to the training yard just to hang out and just take pictures. And, you know, it's like, damn, you almost want to start bombing yourself. And uh, so after having that conversation with him, after the second one, I believe, uh, during the pandemic, <laughs> during still here, man, still here, man, um, we were uh, talking about uh, just, you know, m- uh, movies, dude, like, you know, Beat Street and uh, Style Wars and, you know, Style Wars. I watched it one night, uh, just lighting up and just chilling and um, watching it on YouTube. And that was a uh, that, that was awesome. That was a. Uh, that was uh, that was really really cool, and that's East Coast, you know. They're bombing trains and how they started putting up barbed wire, and just how, how they had you know just started a task force to bust these dudes, you know, get rid of them. But it just made it more. It just made it more and more and more. You know, it just blew up. And you go from those uh, times in the seventies into the eighties, into the nineties, into the two thousands, two thousand tens, and the twenties now. And you see just the evolution of style, you know. And again, like, you know, from the tips to the bombs to the color mixtures, how they outline. It's a, it was just, it was extraordinary, dude. And uh, right here in high school, when I was in high school, there was a couple of writers now that are uh, pretty much just artists, legit artists. <laughs> you go from mobbing on walls to, uh, you know, pretty much uh, developing that into a business. And uh, they were really cool with me. Um and, uh, yeah, but it was more of a, to me, it was more of a hobby, uh, right. And all that stuff, but I would come up with bombs to other dudes and all, dude, could I use that? Yeah, go for it, dude. And, um, yeah, dude, it was cool. And I would always like put stuff on my folders. Is that you? You did that? Yeah, yeah man. So I did that. Dude. It was cool. Oh, dude, I, I, that's good. That was real good. Oh man. Thanks, man. And, uh, but I never, you know, went to the full level of, you know, becoming a dude and, you know, going out there, but I did for a little bit. <clears throat> <laughs> it was almost I did for a little bit it's almost he's ashamed but no man I, I definitely call that stuff art so that was uh that was that was awesome but check it out if you guys can uh, check out uh style wars uh it's um it's a very good uh, documentary on that and you know pretty much uh the uh the button uh, the, the beginning of uh the button history of graffiti um so yeah, man, that's a good documentary. And one another thing I was talking with the uh, homeboy Jerm uh, was uh, that uh, the documentary uh, Murder Mountain. It's uh, it's available on uh, Netflix, and I I watched it probably a year ago. I watched like the first episode. Probably didn't even last. It didn't last. Not even. Um, I wouldn't even say like half an episode. I wasn't into it. it just looked. I don't know. Like kind of like. <laughs> just like a white trash documentary i'm like when are you guys gonna start talking about the emerald triangle when are you guys gonna start talking about bud i was you know just being a prick you know being one of those uh pushy americans and i was just like dude this this is whack dude this is some some dude got murdered his dad wants to know what's up and that was it you know i was just like okay but after uh Talking with the homie, I was like, dude, let me give this thing another chance. And then this weekend I started, this past weekend, I started it on, a, I believe it was a Friday. Yeah, Friday night I started to watch the first episode. Then uh, Saturday I watched, I watched the first and second episode on Friday. And then Saturday I watched three episodes, I believe. No, two. 
that was four, and then it was, a, I believe it's a total of five or maybe even six, and I wrapped it up on a Sunday night. But it was super, super interesting because I heard some crazy story about, like, uh, you know, how did, how Kush got to uh, the States. And supposedly from the stuff I was, uh, you know, when you hear something, you just start, you know, you start telling people, <laughs> what's where's the source is at? I mean, what am I, a journalist? And uh, I was, I had, I was under the, I had the understanding or was under the uh, understanding or in essence, the influence of, uh, of uh, fairy tales or, you know, in essence, lies that um, in the 2000s, the early 2000s with the invasion of Afghanistan, Soldiers brought back those uh, seeds, brought back those Kush seeds, and they brought them back to the states, yeah, and then boom, we had like an influx of Kush, and it therefore began. Now we have the OG strain, and you know, different strains on top of strains, right? And supposedly the dudes that um, started the uh, the Emerald Triangle over there in Humboldt, they're the ones that brought back Kush seeds back in like the 60s, I believe. And they brought them from Afghanistan because they met the farmers out there. They sewn them, they sewed the seeds into their clothing, and they, that's how they brought them back to the states. And we had like super bomb bud after that. And before that, it was just like Mexican red hair, or tight stick, and uh, Acapulco gold. But it wasn't really like bomb bomb. I mean, I remember in the 90s, dude, when I wasn't even smoking, I was just hanging out with a band. They were practicing. They would hand me their weed, break it up, roll it up, and boom, you know, produce some joints. And that was like, you know, decent red hair, you know. And that's when I, I pretty much seen Good Bud when I first started hanging out with them. And um, But it was just, you know, that that's back then when it was 60 and 8th, obviously, you know, when uh, uh, ounces were 400 bucks, you know, worth the same amount of... Uh, money as gold was but yeah so those dudes brought that bud back and it was a trip because i always thought in addition uh to the where, where they got the strings from the bud from the the uh, the good bud in essence the kind bro was um that the emerald triangle right there in Humboldt. it's because the sun hits it perfectly and that's why it's uh that's why uh the bud comes out so strong and good and it's not. The, re the reason they called it the Emerald Triangle and they grew bud there because it was super secluded. You could, It's like mountain ranges up there. It's a straight, it's the mountains, bro. It's like over there uh, in the movie Deliverance. I mean, I don't know if these dudes will pipe you, but you know what I mean? Just very secluded and like, you know, the people, only the people that live up there know each other, right? So I was just like totally, totally uh, re-educated on... Uh, on uh, where a uh, good bud came from and all that, and just sit like how much of a mess um, Humboldt is. I, I I thought it was just like you know just mountain community hippies, good sun, good bud, happy 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 place. Nah, man. Now supposedly it's like uh, infiltrated with like cartels, and uh, it's uh, you know you you obviously have the legal weed now, which is supposedly not that profitable for the people that used to do it. And you got people still doing it illegally, and then you got um, the sheriff's department. They're just raiding people that ain't doing it legally. So it's created a bunch of uh, stuff, which is what this story uh, is is in this uh, documentary on Murder Mountain. That some kid from San Diego went up there and uh, just started a trimming and being part of the scene making money 
spending a lot of money, and uh, he gave money to another guy, a kind of an outsider, and which was uh, like you know fifty racks, and he uh, went to go ask for his money back, and the guy uh, supposedly murdered him, buried him somewhere. Father doesn't know where he's at. The community there were like, dude, this dude was a cool kid, you know, and it was a group of people that banded together, went over there, grabbed the guy, shot him, uh, and found out where the body was buried. That way his family can have some closure, drop that dude off at the hospital, dude doesn't die, dude like narrowly escapes, just takes off, you know, nobody's busted for his murder. But there was three people that heard him say um, that he murdered them where the body was buried. Two of those people died because they were shot. Little internal beefs and a mistake that happened in that community. And in the end, uh, I think the saving grace is one of the guys that was there. His son actually heard something that the guy said that killed him. And uh, they're going to go to the court in the future and hopefully um, it all gets straightened out and uh, the person that killed that kid is um, put to justice but it was really really it was, it was trippy because you look at some of those <laughs> and I don't again I don't I don't uh, it's it's weird I um, you know even from cussing to like even like using race a lot I don't want to be uh, one of those people that just like you know it's just too easy to say white people right I'm not one of those dudes that had you know chick, you know white people do this white people you know uh, Mexican people do that, black people do that, you know, it's very, like, you know, 1990s way of uh, speaking comedically, I guess. We have to move on, we have to evolve, but it's just so easy to say white people, so I'm like, ugh, it's just so uh, cliche in essence. So, I was trying to figure out another way, so I just spoke what was inside my head, which is God damn near convoluted. So, I'm, you know, taking you on a swirly line, kind of like a, like a ball of yarn that a, class, a cat's playing with. So, yeah, man. But these people, dude, they were just like... <laughs> in essence, I didn't want to call them white trash. <laughs> and they, possibly they're not. They're just a bit dusty, but they're very hippie. There was, there was this guy named... I don't know. I was going to say Field or Son or Lonnie or Lodi or... I don't know what his name was. But he's sitting there with no shoes on and, like, the dirtiest feet on the planet, dude. Uh, <laughs> but they're those really, like, mountain people, dude. Like, if you guys ever seen... um the the whites of west virginia uh what's his name uh hank the third talks about him in a song the legend of d ray white oh go down won't go down like a rebel yeah well those people are all jacked up on oxycontins they're in the appalachian mountains out there in uh, west virginia just those really rugged um people that'll just eat muskrat to survive <laughs> snakes you know and you know and it's funny because uh you don't think of uh mexicans like that and here, here we go again we're using uh i guess uh nationality right now right i think the latino people um <laughs> you uh you uh you see it like uh, my, my my dad my mom yeah, and my dad are both from a ranch they're they're uh from uh mexico they're from the city of zacatecas Paraíso. One of them is from El Tular, the other one, the other one, they're, they're genderless, uh, the other one is uh, from, uh, my mother is uh, from La Cienega, and, I, and you know, you can tie that back 
the Spanish name, there's a street in Los Angeles um, um, named that. But the only reason that uh, where my dad's from, El Tular, was named that because his father bought some land. His father being from Tulare County, right here in uh, California, up north, he called that place El Tular. In essence, uh, 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 an, an homage to uh, uh, Tulare, uh, California, or Tulare, right? You say tomato, I say tomato. But my dad said he never went to the city. There was a place called El Valle that was basically the city where they were at, a town. Uh, they really never went down to the city. They were like, I think he was said, he was like not even like, I want to say like 9, 10 years old. Or even younger, he's all, we were basically hillbillies, dude. Lived off the land, had cows, had horses. Um, they grew crops, you know, chickens, all that. So they didn't, all, they, they lived off the land. They didn't really need anything. The only stuff that they would see is like every now and then when an aunt or his dad would come back, they'll come with like a, a case of sodas or something like that, you know. So uh, you never think of uh, Mexican as hillbillies. I know a lot of people, you know, paisas. It's it's a very uh, term that you see say for uh, immigrant Mexican people. They have you know the boots, not necessarily pointy, very country. You know, uh, I guess less civilized tact <laughs> than um, what would that be a uh, integrated part uh, person in society, right? Just a country Mexican. But yeah, man, um, these people were really, and, and you know, obviously, you know, one, one, the, the guy was a, at the end was a Vietnam vet, but you just see those dudes, you know, they're just out there, dude, tilling the land, man. But just those, just those, uh, those type of people that are just very, 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 very rugged, dude. My homie, uh, I have a homie, Shane, that used to live up in the mountains in uh, Big Bear, and he said, um, one time they had a party and they got like confronted. Some people rushed the house. They were kind of, uh, I would say, uh, he used the word Klansmen. They were like beyond white supremacists. But they were from like uh, the valley, like Apple Valley. I want to say the high desert, dude. Like not so much Lancaster, but Victorville. Um, there's, a, there's a place called uh, Lucerne Valley. And they said they talk some shit. And, th and this is all, like, white people. I think um, um, there was one, like, Mexican dude, a bro right there. But, you know, he was one of the homies where my homie was living. And he helped fight off those dudes. But he said they came back, dude. And they came back with a bunch of, like, hardcore-looking white trash country fools. And they kicked the door down. He said, oh, there was, like, 30 of them after the party was over. And then rolled these fools up, dude. And I'm all, how'd you know they were from, like, Lang uh, from uh, Victorville area? He's all, they told us, dude. He's all, yeah, bro. It's like, it's fucked up, bro. <laughs> so, um, yeah, man. I'm from Riverside, so, you know, we, uh, you know, we have everything out here. Um, but there was, I mean, I guess it didn't get that much. But, yeah, you know, you have your people. And it's funny, man. <laughs> but, oh, my God, dude. It's hilarious. But uh, yeah, definitely check out that uh, that documentary, man. Um, you'll be in for a treat. Um, I hope I didn't butcher it for you guys, or you know, I didn't give you guys a spoiler alert to the core. Nonetheless, we made um, we made uh, we made uh, some progress in that uh, in that avenue. But yeah, man, shout out to Germ for that for uh, 
yeah, man, opening my eyes to all that stuff, it's a trip, um, yeah, dude, it was, a, it was, it, it was really cool to see all that, and to see it now after you, like, didn't give something a chance beforehand, so, yeah, man, dude, uh, shout out to everybody that went to the shows out there in, uh, Corpus Christi, Texas, and, um, Austin, Texas, it was nice to see the homie, uh, Marta and her husband, um, they came out, and, uh, shout out to everybody that bought a grinder, that come, came by and say, what's up to the merch booth, all that, it was awesome, thank you guys very much, and this week, uh, we are at, uh, Sally Tomatoes in Roner Park, California, and it's two shows, this Friday and Saturday, it was, uh, it's, a, it's the, December 4th and 5th, originally scheduled last month, but, uh, it was rescheduled because of rain, it's an outdoor show, uh, bring something cozy, tickets are available at felipesworld.com, and I'll be out there, it'll be me, Martin Rizzo, Larry Bubbles Brown, and of course, uh, Felipe Esparza, so check us out at, uh, Sally Tomatoes in Roanoke Park this Friday and Saturday, December 4th and 5th. And another uh, documentary that I've seen, and uh, this is some dude that I really, 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 um, really didn't even, uh, I've heard the name always throughout life, and um, throughout life, <laughs> probably like, I started hearing it more when I was about uh, 17, 16, 17, when I was getting knee deep into music, and this dude wasn't really punk rock, but a lot of punk rockers respected him and said he was punk rock on the way he did stuff, but there is a new documentary, you have to rent it, it's called Zappa, and it's about um, the late Frank Zappa, and um, how homeboy, and it's a trip, dude, because it gets closer uh, to the uh, budding Inland Empire, he was living out in, uh, in, in that time, it was just called Cucamonga, right there off the 10 freeway, I think, over there by Claremont, he had a recording studio, and um, he's originally from Maryland, but he wanted to be in a band. He came out here and he was running a studio. And but he did a score from some guy. I don't know what it was. It's Vice busted him and he did like a score and like to a video. And they say they was pretty much producing pornography. And they gave him three years in jail, bro. Crazy dude. Crazy. Crazy. It's just unbelievable. They like you know if you if you look at today like you know you can just you know hop on uh, Pornhub and a. Uh, and, and, you know, do the jerk, and then, you know, boom, you know, and that's straight, like, pornography with, you know, no music, and it's re very trippy that this stuff happened, you know, I don't know, 40 years ago, so, yeah, and uh, I guess that opened his eyes to, you know, more or less, uh, you know, give the finger to authority, and uh, then he moved out to uh, to Hollywood, and he started a, a band called, called The Mothers, I believe, or The Mothers of Let's just say the mothers. They opened up for Lenny Bruce, cultivated a following. He created his own label. Like uh, those, it, it was really, 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 really cool. And towards the end of his life, he was uh, an advocate for uh, against censorship. You know, going up against the PMRC, and um, and it's a trip because all these people. You look at it. You look at um, censorship. You usually think it comes from a conservative standpoint. Um, it comes, uh, from, uh, let's, let's say traditionally, I mean, everybody's, cause if you look at the, um, the powers of EU, they're all conservative, but one of the driving forces in the, uh, PMRC, um, was, uh, a lady by the name of Tipper Gore, 
And if you don't remember who that is, that's the wife of Al Gore. And she was a driving force and also the wife of Secretary of State for, I believe, Reagan, Bush, and um, he later was involved in the Iraq uh, mess with uh, George W. And uh, that was uh, James Baker. And it, it was, it's really funny how, uh, um, how, how these people censor music. The whole thing was that they wanted to put, um, uh, the parental, the, the parental, um, the parental advisory sticker on, on, on albums, you know, just to censor it, just to let you know that. Yeah, they're gonna say bad words, and um, yeah, it was it was a trip, and and that was a committee founded in 1985, and I guess the goal was to increase the parental control over the access of children to music deemed to have violence, drug, or and sexual themes, and uh, they hit those uh, albums with uh, parental advisory stickers. And to me, it's one of those things, too. I mean, it could be censorship. It is censorship. But it's also another one of those things to create a semi-industry within an industry. But it's just, like, it's, it's funny that, like, you know, some, like, liberal um, uh, politician's wife is just all in the mix. Oh, no, he said the F word. Put a sticker on it. It's like, come on, bro. Like, your, money, your, your, your family made money out of uh, growing tobacco, bro. <laughs> loads of money, man. It's just, oh, just like, ugh, so gross. And I guess they were uh, founded by four women uh, at that point known as the Washington Wives. I guess it's in reference to their uh, connections, to their marital connections uh, with government in the D.C. area. And I guess the PMRC, Parents Music Resource Center, Center, what do these ladies know about music, bro? Honestly, it was Tipper Gore, wife of then-Senator uh, and later Vice President Al Gore, and Susan Baker, wife of Treasury Secretary, I think at the time, James Baker, uh, and two other ladies. But nevertheless, um, but I think they're done, bro. They shut down in the 90s. And I, I remember, uh, I don't know what her, uh, her, uh, her organization was, but I remember Tupac having a couple lines on her. See Dolores Tucker, you's a motherfucker. <laughs> Instead of bring a brother up, you destroy a brother. Um, and see Dolores Tucker. It's like, oh my God, dude. It's like one of those things too. That's what, I mean, I'm, not that I was just drawn to punk rock. I love uh, rap music as well, but it used to drive me crazy that these people, that people would, you know, uh, there's a point in high school you smoke your cigarettes, you drink your beers, all that, all that stuff you're supposed to do at that time, and then you get older, you know, you have bills, kids, mortgage, or whatever it is that you, you know, makes you think you're an adult now, or um, virtues of being an adult, or you know, the role that you're playing as being an adult, but then you become your parents, and that was one of my things. My, that, I mean, I never knew anything about. Frank Zappa, his music, whatsoever. But when my friend's band was on Epitaph, barely got signed on Epitaph, they had an A&R guy by the name of, one of them was Joshua Rosenblatt. And that gentleman, uh, he was he's all, he was always about, <laughs> this is a guy that was working at a punk rock label, 
all about um, the Grateful Dead and uh, Frank Zappa. And he used to say Frank Zappa is a genius. He's going to be known as Mozart, he said. Uh, and he was actually the first guy to introduce me to Bill Hicks, by the way. And I always told him I wanted to be a comedian. And he's like, dude, I got some stuff for you, man. Very cool dude. Uh, one of those uh, uh, Jewish dude, uh, his mom was a travel agent uh, for uh, Ozzy Osbourne. But the the reason I, I, I remember this dude a lot is because his attitude, you know, was uh, he was like uh, in college. I, believe, I don't know if it was Syracuse. I believe it was Syracuse. He said he was running around with Muslims, uh, black Muslims, and... Um, had you know m16s and it was just like all about like i guess they, i don't know they were uh, really like out there uh being activists for what i don't know but nevertheless uh i remember him and uh what he used to say about zappa but it, 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 it for me like music was always not necessarily an outlet it was a way of life because all this stuff that they would say in lyrics anywhere from like operation ivy Dead Kennedys, even up to the system of a down. Um, you know, listen, listening to this young kid when it came out in 1998. But just all that stuff, like No Effects, Rancid, uh, Pennywise. Um, it was, I listened to that music, the queers. I listened to that music because it was like, kind of like fuck authority. You know what I mean? And as you know, you know, just exposing like I mean, one of the reasons I've learned about Noam Noam Chomsky when I was a kid was because Bad Religion did a split with him. You know, it was a seven-inch split, and just like, and it was really like you know, opening your eyes to what's really going on, what the government are really doing. Like I mean, and not that they were exposing stuff that like Edward Snowden um, later exposed for real, but they were already you know they're really socially conscious, conscious about what was going going on and uh, with the world, with foreign policy, and all, and that time I was going to college and just seeing, making all those connections. And um, and I, and I then we see these little, uh, these four little hoes starting an organization to uh, censor people. I don't know, it's just horrible. But those are the people, man. Like, I, I never wanted to be my parents, become my parents. And I've seen family members do it, you know. I've seen friends do it. You know, I, I go from, especially here in Riverside, where people were licking bag, licking speed bags, twisting the flute, blowing uh, methamphetamine clouds. All of a sudden, they're political conservatives. They are church people. It's like, dude, you got to be kidding me, man. So, fuck authority. In the words of uh, Bad Religion, do what you want, just don't do it around me. You guys have a wonderful week. Uh, my name is Rodrigo Torres. Hit me up if you want a Yeah Man t-shirt. All deliveries up until the new year come with the Yeah Man grinder. 25 bucks, 5 bucks for shipping. Keep shining. Check out Los Podcasters del Norte. What's a full podcast? And we will see you in Ronert Park, California, at Sally Tomatoes. This Friday and Saturday, December 4th and 5th. Yeah, man. Tickets available at felipesworld.com. Adios. Hay tanto que quiero contarte. Hay tanto que quiero saber de ti. Ya podemos empezar poco a poco. Cuéntame que te trae.
secretos para darte y que sepas que ya no me sirven más hay tantos caminos por andar dime si quisieras andar conmigo oh, oh, oh. cuéntame si quisieras andar conmigo oh, oh, oh. dime si Por soltarlo todo Desde el principio hasta llegar al día de hoy Una historia tengo en mí para entregarte Una historia todavía sin final Podríamos decirnos cualquier cosa Incluso darnos para siempre o siempre no Pero ahora frente a frente aquí sentado Festejemos que la vida nos cruzó Caminos por andar Dime Si quisieras andar with Rodrigo Torres.